Nyata. Hello. My name is Alison. I pastor a little church in southwest Victoria called Sanctuary, and I've just greeted you in Kirawurong, one of ten language groups which were once spoken here on Gunditjmara country. We are a long way from the United States and the crisis which is currently unfolding there, but we have our own dark shadows. The land on which we worship, work and play was taken by force from the people of the Eastern Ma Nation. Our region is haunted by the largely unacknowledged frontier wars and massacres. Many of our roads and towns are named after early settlers who engaged in genocidal practices, and many of the remaining First Peoples continue to suffer under the combined weight of historic trauma and current injustice. Much language has been lost, and what remains is the result of careful forensic linguistic work. The fact that these traumas have been at the hands of people who called themselves Christian is one of our great shames. Today I'll float between ancient and recent myths and events, and then remember an ancient story which shows a different way. It's the first story of creation, which we find in Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 2 verse 4, and it's one of the readings set for this Trinity Sunday in the year A. It's a long story, so I won't tell it all here, but you probably know the bones. In the beginning, God's Spirit hovers over the face of chaos and speaks words of life. Day by day, things are created. God sees that they are good and God blesses them. Near the end of day six, the human is created in God's own image. Both male and female, God creates them. And on day seven, when the creating is all done, God rests from the work. And that's the story in a nutshell. But what's fascinating and very relevant to both recent history and current events is the context in which the story first arose. For most scholars agree that it was written during Israel's years of exile in Babylon. Before we plunge in, please be aware that the following includes both broad descriptions of invasion and genocide and the names of individual deceased people. So Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners, please be particularly aware. So now you know. And if you're still with me, let's begin. Imagine, your country is invaded. An army rampages through the landscape, killing men, women, children, even babies. Their heads are dashed against the rocks. Barns burned, homes flattened, towns looted, cities destroyed. Corpses lie out in the open, there is no one left to bury them. And the streets are awash with blood. Those unlucky enough to survive the massacres are herded up like animals, chained together and marched into a foreign land. There they serve as slaves to the elite, tending their farms, cleaning their houses, cooking their dinners, servicing their menfolk, raising their children, and all the while shattered by trauma and longing for home. It could be the country we now know as Australia, it could be the west coast of Africa during the slave trading years, but it's ancient Israel, 
herded into exile in Babylon. Around them, powerful stories of foreign gods who rage and kill and dominate and subdue, and a world created in their image. Marduk shoots an arrow down the throat of Tiamat, goddess of the sea and primordial chaos. Then he slices open her womb with a sword so the seas flow forth and humans are created from her life's blood. Marduk becomes top god for this act and violence and domination flow through the society. Status becomes equated with power over others. One nation over another, men over women, adults over children, humans over the earth. People without status are removed from their country, removed from their families and forced into unstable work. Some are slaves. Others have their wages stolen by employer and by the state. And still others are paid a minimum wage which doesn't even cover the basics. And if ever they raise their heads, and even when they don't, they are subject to brutality. Raped, beaten, whipped, lynched, tripped and smashed face first into concrete, knelt on for eight minutes or more. Locked into a baking hot paddy wagon, given the means to hang themselves if they aren't already dead. And we remember here just a few of the black lives and deaths which matter. Cameron Dumudgee, David Dungay, Joyce Clark, Kumanjayi Walker, Veronica Walker, Tanya Day, Rebecca Ma, and of course, most recently in the US, George Floyd. From time to time, the tension reaches a peak. Protests erupt and the violence of the state is unleashed. Peaceful marches are described as riots and police target journalists. Vigilantes and vicious dogs are urged on and their king orders the crowds dispersed with force and tear gas so that he can pose in front of a temple waving a sacred text. It's a shame he doesn't read that text because long ago a people devastated by the brutality of war removed from their land, forced into slavery and subject to state-sanctioned violence, told a new story. And that story begins on page one of the book. In the beginning, God. And God's spirit hovered intimately over the face of chaos and breathed words of life. No arrows, no swords, no wombs sliced open. Just intimacy, imagination, a gentle word and love. And these simple, tender qualities brought forth life in all its multiplicity and beauty. And God saw that it was good and blessed it. On the sixth day, God made the earth creatures, livestock, reptiles, wild animals, and finally humans. And the humans were made in God's own image, male and female, they created them. And this new story says that humans have the capacity to act like God. They are made in God's image. They too 
can look into the face of the other, of chaos, of brutality, of violence, and they too can choose life. The gods of Babylon, colonialism and capitalism dominate, subdue and destroy. And when their stories colonise our hearts and minds, we are made in their image and become forces for passivity and destruction. But when we turn away from the endless output of the entertainment industry and close the books written with white blindness and take the words of our leaders and pundits with a big grain of Babylonian salt, and when we instead immerse ourselves in the ancient story of Genesis and let this story be written on our bones, then we are made in the image of a different God. This God gazes lovingly into chaos and doesn't try to dominate it. Instead, this God imagines something new and speaks words which enable life to emerge and goodness to flourish. And as creatures made in this God's image, the work becomes our own. So this then is our call, to gaze tenderly into the face of the chaos of trauma, intergenerational or recent, and to imagine new possibilities of marakata, truth-telling, listening, justice, and to find words which show that these stories have been truly heard, which acknowledge responsibility, which neutralise shame, and which describe a generous future where healing happens and goodness can flourish. Our call is to gaze tenderly into the face of state violence and a military peace, and to imagine a different peace, a peace founded on economic justice and care for the vulnerable and enemy love, and to speak words such that this peace, this shalom, might take root in people's hearts and emerge in a new and flourishing common life. Our call is to gaze tenderly into the face of catastrophic climate change, to imagine a new way to live and a new economics, not one built on endless travel and extractive industries and rapacious consumption, but one which relies on healing. Our job is to find words and practices which heal the earth, which care for land and soil and water, and which open people's hearts to the abundance of enough. Our call is to gaze tenderly into the chaos of our own hearts, to notice how the stories of colonial capitalism, patriarchal domination and white privilege powerfully shape us, and to immerse ourselves instead in our ancient sacred texts, those stories which subvert the dominant narratives and fill us with new and generative words, which in themselves can create good. In the beginning, God. God and a different story. A story not of violence, not of domination, not of death, but of breath, word, life, goodness and blessing. A story which invites us to gaze tenderly into the other, to gaze tenderly into terrible chaos, and to imagine something new and to speak words which enable life to emerge and goodness to flourish. 
This is our story and this our calling. God's will be done on earth as in heaven. Amen. And may the Holy Spirit inhabit your darkness, brood over your abyss and speak to your chaos, that you may breathe with God's life and share in God's creative work through the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. That final prayer is adapted from a prayer by Janet Morley, and you can find it in her wonderful book, All Desires Known. As for the rest, if you value what you heard, there's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.wordparis.com. Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. If you'd like to support the work of this little church, you can make a donation via PayPal, and you can find the details for this on the website. Great to have you with us and we'll catch you another time.